Hello, everybody. Welcome back to We Should Jam Sometime, episode 92. Can you feel it? Episode 100 is coming in fast. This week, it's just an interview. It's a longer one. First time with Al Yeti Bones from Windsor. Stoner rock legend, dude. Lost Stars actually got to play with Gypsy Chief Goliath uh, on our London Music Hall show, the show that I will forever get to say that Lost Arts headline London Music Hall. It was where the friendship between us and Ready the Prince was born. We finally got to share the stage with our good friends in Bodijar and Gypsy Chief Goliath. Now, I didn't actually really get to talk to Al at the time of that show, uh, so it was really fun talking to him tonight, man. Like, we've been Facebook friends for since, since that show. Uh, and, dude, the wisdom on this guy, I learned a lot. I think just per, I think knowledge per episode of all 92 of these, this is the one, man. This is the most jam-packed. Uh, the guy's got great stories uh, near the, the front of this episode, man. Just this, this, we were talking about getting compared, like your bands compared to bands that like you hate, but you knowing that it comes from a good place. And he's got a wild story about one of his bands being compared to Godsmack. If you know, you know. Uh, we also talked about this new band that he's in called Age of Wolves. They got a sweet six-part docu-series on YouTube. All the episodes are like 10 to 15 minutes, man. It's really, really cool. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a, just a nice like behind-the-scenes uh, look into kind of just how songs are written and how new bands go and kind of the trials and tribulations. Uh, I think as a musician, I think we all can relate to it in some sense. And I think if you're not a musician, I mean, it's just you know, good content, man. If you're here for the pod, you're going to like that. You know, Al, he, dude, this guy, Al does everything, man. The guy's got a book coming out. Uh, thanks to COVID, you know, it's it's been, uh, release date has been pushed back, but it's looking like hopefully uh, it's coming out in 2021. We'll definitely be keeping you guys updated on that. I'm looking very forward to reading that book. But anyway, let's get you guys into the episode. I don't need to waste your time. We, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's something like we're going to waste your time. I don't need to waste your time because there's great conversation ahead. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, please share an episode. Pick your favorite episode. Share it. Show some people. You know, subscribe. All that fun shit. Uh, so we can continue to grow this show and make it better. And, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, man. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is We Should Jam Sometime. Yo, check check this out. Caleb, I love you with all my heart, but you are not talented. These guys put a pot smoking Ottawa band on the litter or test. Best podcast ever. Welcome back to We Should Jam Sometime. I th- I don't even know what episode we're on. I think it's episode ninety two. Yeah, ninety two or ninety three. Yeah, it's up there. And uh, <laughs> first first time guest, we got Al Yeti Bones from Windsor. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going, man? Not too bad, not too bad. I don't know if you you probably remember. We've met once before briefly. Uh, our bands have played together at the London Music Hall in 2017. Okay, you gotta hit me with more. Okay, hit you with more. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so so uh, it was a Lost Arts show. I'm in Lost Arts. It was our EP release show, and we played the main stage because Rum Runners was under construction. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. There you go. Nice. Edie got us on last minute, right? I believe that's the case. Yeah. It is. That was kind of like our first like uh like big show kind of and I had no idea what we were doing, but I uh, <laughs> no, it was so great. Edie man. helped it was me great. cuz I was I was like I know I want Bodhi Jar on and then those are all that's the only band I know. And yeah. He was like, "All right, we'll we'll get this going." But that that was a, that was a fun time. But that was years ago. And I was actually trying to think today like when exactly was that? Because I was trying to think of how long my band's been together. And I was like, I don't even know anymore. Well, it's really funny you say that because, um, you know, normally uh, there's 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 a period of years that I don't recall. And then, you know, we go into lulls where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's nothing and then a bunch of stuff. And 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 that was a part of those shows where where when you said London Music Hall, uh, we've played there several times, but. I totally remember that gig. I remember they uh, they blew up the the logo on the back of the TV screen, right on the wall. Like like every band had to upload a file or something like that to the sound guy where he could put the he could put the backdrop on. 
And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So yeah, and then somebody backstage had said like, hey man, you guys are uh, pretty good. Like you guys remind me of like, uh, like way more uh, energetic uh, sleep. You know, you guys sound like sleep, but like way more up, up tempo. And it was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause you know, I remember listening to sleep uh, when I was like 18, 19 years old and I'm 40 now. So I remember uh, getting my first house and listening to Dope Smoker as loud as I could, you know, on the stereo. So like, <laughs> it's like the coolest thing, like when someone says that, you know, but uh, I don't think we sound anything like them, but I mean, you know, definitely like a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff is, you know, subliminal. We get, we get passed into that because the Black Sabbath uh, influence. Mm. Right. I was going to, I always think it's funny when people like compare you to stuff. Can you think with any like band you've been in, like a comparison that that's that to you is like a total whack comparison, but like it came, <laughs> but it came from a good place. Like they, whoever said it meant it in a good way, but you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that, yeah, I can, I can remember on a few occasions and those are those moments where, you know, you block stuff out of your mind. You know what I mean? Like you just like pretend you pretend it never happened, you know, because you're on like, uh, uh, as even as, uh, humble as somebody might be. Uh, I think when you're playing shows, like if, if you're ego, if you're not ego driven when you're playing and performing and trying to play, like you're the best. Can you swear here? Of Absolutely. course. Yeah. <laughs> so like where you can like, like be like the, like, like the best motherfucker you, you possibly can be, you know? Um, I think, I think ego has like a lot to do with that. And so when someone says you sound like Godsmack, bro, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and like uh, someone said, like, yeah. oh, you guys sound like Pearl Jam. It, it's like that kind of stuff. It's like right away. I understand that, like, OK, I'm not going to hold it against you because judging by the sheer surface band that you just mentioned, I can tell that your your knowledge isn't as, as deep as mine. So let's just. I'll forgive you for that because you know if we're if we're gonna talk about physics or something like that, I'll be like, hey man, you're like Stephen Hawking's man, and like, and then you're just like, yeah. okay, yeah. buddy, yeah, like, totally, you know, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's like a thousand other physicists out there that are way better, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it, it's, I get it, I get it, I understand, but yeah, th those are two that come to mind for sure. There was one time we played a show and we were on tour. Um, Oh God! I think it was in London. We played at uh, if you guys remember the Brass Door at all. Uh, we, yeah, played, yes, we played. Yes, actually, I was supposed to play at the Brass Door when I was like 16 years old, and I remember showing up, and the venue had like closed overnight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. It was insane. I don't know what happened. No idea. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an anomaly, man. But that was like a great place, and the owners were great. Like uh, we've remained friends even to this day, and uh, we were playing there, and it was one of those shows where the like a chick and a dude get up into the middle of the the where the the main floor is and they're 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 slow dancing you know to like the heaviest song we're playing they're slow dancing and i thought that was like the coolest fucking thing and i was singing to them you know i was playing right to them i was pointing to, i thought that they were like you know they, they just seemed like it was like their first dance at their wedding or something you know and then uh we go out uh earlier that day before that before we played that show so after after we loaded out or loaded in uh i went out for a smoke and there was a, a cab that like rolled up right and it wasn't these people that were dancing later uh, it was another crowd that was in uh, and they just came and they're like they came back from like a, like a wedding rehearsal or something like so this guy and this girl are getting married and they're just wasted right now and there's five of them and they pour out of a cab and they come into the show and they're like, Hey man, are you guys like, are you guys heavy, man? You know? And like, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, I think we're heavy. Like we're pretty heavy. And he's like, are you guys heavy? Like, like, are you guys heavy? Like Godsmack, man? Like, are you sure? Like, cause Godsmack <laughs> is amazing, man. Like they're heavy. Like they're, 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 what I, they're what's up. And I was like, Oh, you know, like now you're putting me on the spot, <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Godsmack, man. And like, uh, so they go in, they have some drinks. We're playing. These fine, fine, fine fucking people come up and they're dancing. They're slow dancing, you know, and I just kind of like invite the newlyweds, you know, the guys, the, the, the couple that came here with their with their crew. I'm like, I'm like, you guys should come up here, too. You know, like thinking like, ah, yeah, you know, so we talked earlier and he comes up to the stage and we're playing and he's like screaming. He's like, fuck you, man. 
fuck oh, you. Oh my God. And he's like swearing and like, he's got his fucking finger right up in my face. And then he like gives me the like, you know, forget it kind of like uh, shrug off with his hands. And then he walks away and all his buddies kind of follow out. And I'm like, okay, we're at this part now where the band can take it. You know, they can jam. You know, they're, they're going to they're gonna take it. I'm fucking pissed. I'm wondering what the fuck happened. I get off stage. I, wa- I follow him outside. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I go right up into him and I go right up to the guy. He looked like his name would be Mad Dog. Like he had like the handlebar mustache, 300 pounds, bald head. Like, why is this girl marrying you? You know? And um, nobody here has a handlebar mustache, right? Yeah. You guys don't have a handlebar mustache? No, 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 no. Handlebar okay. mustache. I didn't, I didn't That's offend anyone. That's actually illegal on this podcast. Okay, cool, cool. I didn't offend no one, right? Okay, so this guy, this guy, uh, can, I, can I go on though? Of course. Yeah, this is amazing. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. So this guy is like Mr. Godsmack here. Um, you know, is he's outside, he's having a cigarette, and one of his buddies in, like kind of goes in between us and he's like, hey, man, don't pay any attention to the guy, man. He's fucking drunk. He's he's just fucking upset as as at his lady, and uh, you know shit's going down with them. And then she's kind of like circling over to me, you know, and she's like trying to say something to me, and I'm just trying to avoid her because of what he had told me. So I was like, okay, like all right, whatever, man. And like this dude, like he's you know he's kind of like saying stuff over his breath, you know, over this guy's shoulder. Nothing's gonna happen because all these people are very much waiting, you know, to that making sure that nothing's happening. They're waiting for a cab to come. They go, they go, they leave. So I go back in and uh, some guys followed me out uh, with me to like have my back, you know, and uh, they go, we all go back in and we continue the show. And after the, when that show is done, we're outside loading out and his fiance is like just hanging out, like strolling around, you know, lollygagging in front of our, in front of the club. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, she something shows up, and she's like, "Yeah, he kicked me out of the cab, and I was just sitting at the back while you guys were playing." And you know, I remember him saying that like you guys sounded like Godsmack and stuff, and like you know all that. So she hung out with us for the rest of the night. Like this, this girl. I don't know if she ever married this guy or what happened, but she ended up hanging out with us. She took a piss in the alley, like you know, she like she lived it like a band, like you know, like like a true band would. You know, she she was with us for that moment, or you know, for the next two hours, I'd say, and uh, and yeah, it was just it was the Godsmack night. So. You know, like this guy fucking called us like he thought like he thought we sounded like that. And, and, and I thought that was the funniest thing. And then, you know, his whole life kind of just fell apart by the seams, you know, after <laughs> he said his fiance something came so up stupid. to you like two hours later, like, hey, just so you know, I don't think you sound like God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So funny, though. I like basically I basically did that to myself one time where it was uh, when I was in, in Radio Caroline. We were hanging out outside uh, Piero's Pizza, and uh, this like this random drunkard kind of guy shows up, and like I think I think it might have been one of those things where we're like, "Hey man, are you in a band or something right. like that?" And I was like, "Hell yeah, man!" You know, like we were like we were just starting out, so it was just like, "Fuck it, take any listener you can get, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. anyone that gives a shit." And I was like, "Yeah, man, you know, fuck yeah, we're in a band." And he was like, "What do you guys sound like?" And like I like kind of look the guy up and down, and I'm like. This guy seems like, you know, the the classic dad rocker kind of dude. So I was just like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, you like Guns N' Roses? And then the rest of my band just stops dead and looks at me and just goes, Guns N' Roses? And I was like, I don't know, man. This guy looks like he likes guns. Like, fucking, why don't I just lie to him a little bit? Yeah, exactly. And then they just like... They all just threw me under the bus so hard. They were just like, we do not sound like Guns N' Roses, oh, man. man. And, I was, and I, was, I was like, well, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. They're like, you know Caius? And the guy's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck, man. I was trying to pander to this dude a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. I was a full believer of that shit. Like, you know, I used to always think that uh, covering a song, uh, somebody would like in the band would say like, oh, we should cover a Guns N' Roses song. And I'd be like, no, nah, man. Like, that's something you tell a guy on the street. <laughs> what you sound like yeah yeah and then when he comes We're in then you play your shit, you know but then it was like i was always like under the belief that like you know if you're gonna cover a song you should always cover something like caius something where there's one guy at the back of the bar who's just about to fucking call a like a designated driver because he's been kicked out and he's just praying to god to the bouncer let me fucking stay man they're playing green machine and he's the only guy in the fucking whole place that knows what it is and the bouncer's like 
it's too late, bro. You're out, you know? And yeah. like, it's like yeah. this fucking, like he's just sitting outside, just rocking to Green Machine. No one else knew what the fuck it was. Oh, I really liked your band, man. What was that last song you played? You know? Yeah. 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 Fuck. That's how you make mega fans. That's yeah. it. You know, yeah. by playing those B-sides. That's it, man. That's it. It's so true. I was wondering, we struggled with that at the start of our band of like covers, like what do we play? And I was, I'm usually like i'm better now but i i always had this like very like elitist thing where it's like let's play the queens of stone Age song that nobody knows and then i'm i remember like our bass player one time was like let's just do little sister and then everybody knows it and then we can do the other shit and i was like <laughs> okay maybe that's Fine. maybe that's fair but like we do a thing it was funny we like our song when we were like in fanshire or whatever that like the first song we like did as a band i found out like i think like a year after we'd been playing i played the riff like way slower just just cause like no reason and i was like hey i was like i think this song i think the riff is the exact same notes as black sabbath like the song and we're like oh fuck and we started jamming it and we're like oh it is so now like every time we play that song live like there's like the solo uh quiet chorus that builds up into like the last chorus right so now we do like the build up into black sabbath yep. for like a little yep. bit awesome and it's like a it's a fun p- breakdown because it's like kind of what you're saying where it's one of those things where it's like if you know what it is, it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But then if you don't know what it is, yeah. it's still a, it's still it's like, a cool damn, breakdown. Yeah. These boys wrote a fucking sick Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, it's a win-win because there's like, there's you're going to get the people when you get off the stage that are like, dude, that was fucking so cool. You did Black Sabbath. And there's going to be other people that were like, that song was cool or whatever. <laughs> really like that jam you did. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's awesome, like man. A- that's awesome. The weirdest compliment as like I think as a musician is like when everybody's favorite song is like the cover that they didn't know was a cover after you. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I love that four song. That's your best song. And you're like, yeah, thanks. That's a Foo Fighters song. That's awesome. Glad you like that one. Yeah. Now then it's like it's time to go back to the drawing board after that, then figure out why people like that so much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And try and dissect that shit. You know, a lot of companies out there in the tech world, you know, they they won by you know uh re-engineering reverse engineering like a lot of the other stuff that was out there already right so it's like you know it's it's a lot of that stuff is about that like sometimes you just got to do that like people ask like you know what's what's the process how do you guys write songs and stuff and a lot of times you know there's there's not a single single process that i go by personally you know, it's it's always it's a thousand different ways. You know, you attack it a thousand different ways. And, and one of them is like that, you know, where you start reverse engineering something else. You're like, why the fuck did this sell so much? And then you figure, oh, yeah, because they've got like a four part harmony vocally that fucking starts it off. And then it kicks in with piano, which is like the most like sensual fucking instrument out there, you know, and then and then it's like a guy like, you know who's like who can fucking sing you know is actually is actually singing this fucking rock and roll song right so it's like you got all this like just just a recipe you know everything is out there already the recipes are out there you know we as bands just have to kind of figure out how are we going to fuck that recipe up enough you know that it's like our own thing you know like i always find like when you're writing songs like when you think you like you like broke through and you found your formula and you're like, fuck yeah. Like now I can be the greatest songwriter ever. And the next time you go to use that same formula, you're like, why is it not working? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like what the heck happened? And it's like, cause you did it. You finally wrote that song with, like that needed to be written. And now it's time to f- figure out what the next one yeah, is. Yeah. Now you got to reinvent the wheel for the 50th yeah. time. Totally. Or you're just like Papa Roach or something. <laughs> that's another one that's yeah. just not acceptable to reference i just heard them on the radio uh, uh, today they were they were being interviewed on the radio and i was like who's talking to papa roach they just put out their second greatest hits album I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> papa roach is another band kind of like not to just shit on other bands we can get into actual conversations but just a quick a quick no papa roach is another band where if if you meet a papa roach fan it pretty much tells you everything you need to know about the guy much much in the same vein <laughs> yeah as godsmack yeah, does. i listen to godsmack all right enough said <laughs> yeah. i mean i like i don't have anything against that stuff you know i, I, I will never I totally ever agree. like pay attention to it but it, like why would why would it be a you know anything on i, I get it you know when it's like yeah. super huge and it's something that's like that's played 
and it gets airplay. I mean, it's a part of the machine at that point. So, you know, I understand that. I understand it has nothing to do with like how good the song is or like what the band is. But, you know, I always look at like 70s, 70s classic rock and the tones and the way they approached recording, um, what the singer was on at the time, you know, like everything. Just just try to like, I, I'm always trying to like figure out headspace where they were at like because those guys um they didn't seem to care as much you know oh we need to like write it three minutes because the label thinks that you know this has to have this formula you know to meet this criteria and this standard and then we can play it and make you know they didn't give a shit it was like yeah it i mean just the fucking longest little jams in the middle of stuff and every drummer was incredible because they had that jazz influence yeah jesus There's no drummers out there like that these days. Yeah, they're they're a hot commodity. If you if you find one of those drummers that you're like, hey, who are some of your influences? And you hear like Ginger Baker, you're like, all right, I'm keeping you around, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, because there's something different that you do that the other guy, you know, in in a band that's happening at the same time isn't doing. You know, so yeah. it's pretty cool when like uh, those kinds of those kinds of influences uh, kind of arise. Wow. I don't. I don't hear it in Papa Roach, though. No. <laughs> Something I actually was gonna say, which I thought was maybe where your story uh, with that Godsmack guy was gonna go, but it went a different way. But I was gonna say sometimes I find that like those guys that love that kind of music, like the maybe like formulaic rock music or whatever. Sometimes those are the guys, especially at live shows, totally where like that's where you're gonna sell your T-shirt, oh, and, man. Like, yeah. your, your CD and shit, because like those guys just love fucking guitars yeah, or man. whatever. Yeah, they're and rock it saving grace, and like they might love. Godsmack, but also they love your band too, which is always nice. Where you're like, obviously we don't we don't agree on a lot of stuff, but like I very much appreciate you yeah. as a fan, music lovers in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like that's I'd be lying if I if I if I didn't say that. You know, that's exactly where I thought that was gonna go. Like this was a shoe in. <laughs> yeah, <right>? yeah. <laughs> this was a, a death match by the end of the night. It was fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote about it in this like this guy's uh, gonna buy a shirt for sure. Yeah, I wrote about it in a <laughs> yeah. blog somewhere um, for a friend uh, for for a friend's webzine, you know. So like, I don't mind I don't mind bringing it up anytime because I secretly hope that somebody will point me into the direction of somebody that was uh, there on that side. Of course, you know, and they can be like, yeah, yeah I fucking remember awesome. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. If you happen to be listening right now, please message one of us, one of the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Let us know where that girl is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please give us an update. Oh, uh, that's too funny. Well, so we we've mentioned some some big uh, stoner rock names like Caius and Queens of the Stone Age and that kind of thing. And I uh, I've actually I've known I've known of you. This is the first time that I've actually spoken with you on the phone. But um, I've known you since I was probably about like 17 years old when I was in uh, Radio Caroline, an up and coming stoner rock band. <laughs> I always thought that you were like like the godfather of stoner rock from Windsor, <laughs> from Windsor, Ontario, um, which is it's it's so cool to finally be chatting with you, man. And uh, um, yeah, so your 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 past projects, uh, Gypsy Chief Goliath, your new project, Age of Wolves, um, and. One thing we're definitely going to be touching on today on, on the podcast is uh, your new docuseries um, called Lockdown 2021, uh, which is basically the, the story of, of your new group coming together. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's really interesting because it, it seems like kind of a melting pot of, of, uh, of genres. Like you guys, uh, there's, there's kind of, um, you guys kind of all bring something different to the table. Yeah, yeah. This was actually uh, first time in a long time for me where, you know, these... Uh, other guys were coming in so heavily weighted into a certain style that they already have defined, you know, and now I'm going to have to try and figure out how I can kind of slither in there. You know, uh, it was, it was incredible. Like most of the time we start for start fresh, you know, and, and these guys were just coming off another band that they were working on. And, uh, I knew that I didn't want to be in it if it was going to sound like that, you know, but they had the chemistry those three guys that, uh, and, and, you know, also a history with me too, like the singer, uh, when I was 19 years old, he was probably 25, 26. And I was feeling the same way, Craig, he was the uh, same, same kind of deal for me. And like, he was, uh, I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, would you ever want to sing on one of our songs? He's like, fuck yeah. And like 19 years old and he's singing on one of our songs, like in the recording studio actually it was with Glenn Fricker, if you know him from, uh, that SMG, 
uh, media, Spectre, Spectre Sound Media Group, the the YouTube okay. channel. Okay. Stuff he hates. He hates bass players. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Eli, Eli uh, yeah, likes I stumble across. He's good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> we did that with him, and and it was like uh, we were just new in the studio, never done it, and we recorded a, a version of "Into the Void" by Sabbath that we never released. We were looking at the mechanical licensing for that, and it was going to come out to about seven cents a, a disc. So you figured out how many discs you were going to produce, and that's what you were paying the mechanical licensing to use that Black Sabbath song on those discs. So it would have came out to like 47 bucks or something like that uh, on 500, say, uh, to use Into the Void, you know. So if anybody ever wanted to like, you know, wonder about like how do we release a, a cover song like that, you know, that's you go for the mechanical licensing. I don't know if the price has gone up now or how it's like, uh, structured by streams or maybe by plays or I don't know what it is, but I know back then it was it was like that. It's probably just the label takes all, any of the money. <laughs> <laughs> all of the money? <laughs> Give it to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. <laughs> Wait, you guys are making money? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You guys are getting paid? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I, I I wanted to talk to you about the the songwriting process because like I've like Lost Arts is kind of like the the first real band I've been in outside of just like high school stuff, um, and like I grew up in a small town, so there was no like scene. It was just playing at like coffee houses and stuff. So I've been lucky enough to just be in this band where it's kind of we've gone through a lot of different stuff, but now the the songwriting process is very much laid out of what it is. And I think Craig could probably also speak to this. But when you go from like, and I kind of got the vibe from the documentary that there was definitely a period of time that was like a struggle of like, obviously they wanted you to join this band because they knew what you were capable of and liked what you could bring to it. But then there's like an issue of like, you're coming into this thing where again, kind of the writing process and the chemistry is kind of already established and you have this totally different way of doing it. And I I know it was kind of touched on in the documentary, but I just almost, maybe if you can like elaborate kind of on just what that was like for you well they it's it's a it's interesting because you know i was really forceful with my with my own habits and my own vision uh going in so it was like it was like a bull in a china shop at that point and i could see slowly that they were they were just so locked in that it was not going to change you know and um there got to a point where I would just start bringing in stuff that, you know, where if they learned it and I could somehow figure out a way to like penetrate that style of, of playing and learning. And then we could kind of circle back to, you know, extending the jams and figuring out, you know, some, some stuff that's not like so um, regimented, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the process, you know, uh, we'd we'd come up with some really cool shit at that point, and and I think it worked. You know, the I wouldn't say like it was like a, like a like a trick or anything, but you know, really learning how to just do what they do, and just swallowing that, and just being like being okay with that, and then you know, eventually saying like fuck it, like this is this is we're we're almost there. Like we've we've got this song, you guys got like the parts down, uh, we've done that way for a while we've got it nice and tight now let's get fucking crazy let's just forget about playing this over and over again and let's try and string something along together and tell a story and figure out a way to map this thing out and if it means like you know like a little like a 60s like like a like a different genre break in the middle of a song you know and and kind of go into something else and then when you go to drop into the solo like throw out a key change you know something really cool and uh and just go smoke a joint or something and fucking you know get back at it you know and and, and do the first yeah. thing that kind of comes at it you know and it's like that was one of the things where it was like when they when we would jam it was it was they knew what they were doing like they had a plan right so right. you know we kind of all just met halfway at some point i mean it's all a blur it really is it's it's like they we didn't know what was happening at the time which was really cool because you know, starting this whole band thing, looking back on it, it's like something just as measly as being in a band, you know, is what was happening. That's what was going on. And I didn't even realize that, you know. 
Yeah, something that I caught in the second uh, part of, of the series was um, when you're talking about kind of like what what genres that you, you like to bring to the table, where it was like you kind of got this this baseline of, and this is kind of what I, I kind of find with a lot of people that are like really into like stone or rock, is that they're all kind of in like a melting pot of genres, where it's like you have this yeah. this kind of uh, this bedrock of like stone or rock, but then you're like, yeah, but let's bring some fucking Thin Lizzy and some Sabbath and some ACDC into it. But then, you know, and then you also mentioned like, but then fuck it, let's bring like the police into it. You know what I mean? Like fucking... It's 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 interesting how people that are really into this this very specific kind of genre of music tend to have this massive spectrum of other genres that they that they appreciate. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that style of music. I feel sorry for you know those that you know it fell on deaf ears for you know because it's like y- you like all the stuff that they do and. And you'd be buddies with these guys if you didn't, you know, if you lived in the same city. And even more so, it's like the music that they create or whatever, like just like that, uh, the style. There's so many bands that uh, will probably go down as, you know, some of my favorites of all time that nobody's ever heard of, you know. And and that's, that's sad, like, you know, it really is. There's a band from Sweden, I think, called uh, Mammoth Volume from like... 1999 that I I bought like three of their albums and they're they're done and you know didn't survive like the YouTube search and like the surge of like all of the Google stuff like they're just they're they're around but like it's unfortunately it's it's uh it's it's diminished to this like you know more of a real rare find you know you got to like search yeah. through the dust you know to get this piece of gold it's fucking great and mammoth volumes uh self-titled album is is incredible and it's got all these genres on it that you're talking about it's got it's it has all the different uh elements that make all these other things really popular in their own right and and it has nothing to do with like the fact that you know while their music was underproduced and it was lo-fi and it just wasn't ready for that time and you know it was meant to be found 10 years later which i think some albums are but you know there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of this craziness with you know, uh, this 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 music still relates today, and it's twenty years removed and disappeared and gone. And you know, Raging Slab is another one. You know, like these these two bands are. Everybody should know who they are because it's like they were they were the greatest. You know, but never made it so fucking big that you know the way they should have. Yeah, it's I find that like with like the stoner rock genre, it's such a weird. It's such a weird like little place in like music where it's like there's guys like all like all of us that are like all agree that it's like super fucking cool. But then like it, it never like really makes it to the mainstream unless you're like Queens of Stone Age really, but they, they have like their own it's a different thing. It yeah. like it still somehow classifies because it's Josh, but like it's not quite the same. But I remember when I first I think like Caius was the first stone or rock band I listened to after I went through the the grunge thing and then I found Queens and I was like, Oh, he was in this other band. And I remember the first time I put on Welcome to Sky Valley, I was like, it might have been one of the first musical moments truly in my life where I was yeah. like, wait a second, what the fuck is going yeah, on right absolutely now? legendary. And it was just like this, and every, like, it's not even a genre of music I listen to a lot, but every time I put any kind of, like, stoner rock album on, I'm like, fuck, man, this is so cool. And it's like the only, I think, like, cool seems like it's such a passe word now, but, like, it's the true definition of the word cool. Like, yeah. it's, it's like leather jackets and sunglasses. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Dri- driving in a, an El Camino in the yeah, desert, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's pretty heavy, man, on all levels. It's great. It's just the tones, man. man. I wanted to ask, though, when you're talking about uh, just going back a bit to, to finding your, your place in Age of Wolves, was, I'm, I don't know, was it, were you always, like, very, uh, like this is my idea and like very forward or did it take you a while and like I'm going back and from when you've started playing in bands because like I it's it took us a long time as a band even as like a group of friends to finally be like hey if somebody has an idea you need to say it and if it doesn't and if it doesn't work that's okay but like we're gonna try it and it took us a long time as a band to get to that point of like hey say your idea because it was getting to a point where we were recording songs and then finding out somebody didn't like a part and we're like well you gotta fucking say something (laughs) and even now still i'm still we're still working on that right but anyway yeah my question just being like have you always been like this is my idea and let's go or did it take you a while to find that voice i think uh i think at first i was 
I was just in, you know, in the room, just ready to throw out an idea if, if I had one. And that became enough until I became very in love and, and passionate about being in that band and somebody left, you know, and we were young, right? So we didn't know what to do. And like another guy left and the band was broken up, you know, and yeah. like broken hearted, right? And then I finally work up enough courage to start something new again. And then I start all over again and I'm like super into like, okay, like I'm writing as much as I can, as much lyrics as I possibly can, riffs, whatever. I'm jamming all the time with the drummer. Everything's cool. Everything's working out, good chemistry. But then, you know, something happens years later, right? And somebody leaves and then you replace somebody and then some people start to like veer off into like weird, awkward behaviors and they stand out in the background a bit more. They don't want to talk so much. We're not jamming as much. There's a lot of miscommunication. All this stuff takes a great toll on, you know, whoever is still serious about making music, you know? And and, and I think it got to a point where I started going out to Minnesota to play with the Mighty Nimbus and and to me I was seeing how these guys were doing it and it was very you know professional like we were getting together for two or three weeks every day working rehearsing learning the parts you know learning how to like do all this stuff and like getting getting to know each other as well and then we'd go on tour and uh and I I was a fill-in guy right but then I ended up getting like a full-time full-time gig with them and I was the only guy they had on uh, live you know that I played with them and I was on uh, two records after and it, it just it was it was really uh it, it woke me up you know and I started to say like okay there's other ways to do this so I don't have to be so uh vulnerable you know every time somebody leaves or something you know and I think that uh it got to a point like you know because everybody lives in different cities and the hardest part for me is is trying to distribute material you know to everybody you know like not everybody can show up for jam and jam doesn't really work for everyone all the time uh everybody's got so many things going on you know on the go so it becomes a very very difficult thing and then you know we we end up uh getting together once in a while you know so this was this was one of those things where i said like okay i'll step back let how it goes we're on a schedule. We're on a regiment. Like this isn't going anywhere. These guys are solid as fuck. They're serious. You know, we're going to build this thing together and there's no sense in me trying to like overturn the ship, <laughs> you know, or rock the boat. Right. Anyway. <laughs> you know, I was like very much a, a player, you know, wanted to, wanted to play and survive. And yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned the mighty Nimbus. Cause I, I wanted to touch on the fact that it, going through your catalog, it seems like you've, you've been in, countless bands you know and and with countless bands comes countless like lessons of like how to work with other musicians and uh like what what do you think would be one of like the most valuable like uh uh lessons with like working with other musicians that you've learned over the years i think i think if you separate yeah you got to separate the the question i think into two categories so um one of the things is is that Everybody's got to understand that like when you're playing in a band, it's not a relationship. It's more of an entrepreneurial business venture. You're not with your gay lover or your heterosexual life mate or or whatever. You're you're with, you know, another person or a few other people that, you know, probably deep down want to make money doing this. And uh, you got to attend to that need. So you got to figure out what the fuck to do there. You know, you got to be practical. Like, okay, we got to play a lot of shows. We got to tour. We got to put out records. We got to invest in ourselves. Okay, all that stuff is like very reminiscent. If you were to say that out loud and your dad was to hear you through the walls, you know, he'd be like, wow, my son's uh, starting a business. You know what I mean? Like he would be very happy until he found out you were in a band, you know? Right. But like, (laughs) you know, the other thing is, is that you've got to learn to work with people and communicate. Being a good communicator will, I think, get people a lot farther than, uh, than being like a super good player, understanding that simplism, uh, simplistic riffs and playing like simplistically, uh, if you add harmonies to that, I think that that's like one of the things that opens up a guitar player's mind into the stratosphere. Like if you understand that like, oh, if I play like the simplest riff in the world and then I just play like a third and then a fifth and then overdub, you know, the next one, a seventh or whatever, um, 
you know, all these different like notes and melodies that you can play over top of things will uh, definitely expand expand the writer's horizons, I think. But uh, you know, being in a in a band is is definitely I think the best advice is just to be as as open communicatively as you possibly can, you know. Yeah. Really, really yeah. is in the first part there, you know, understanding that it's a business and understanding that uh, uh, Todd McFarland said it best. He's like, uh, he goes, entre- uh, employees, they look to the cliff and they look down and they ask themselves, like, what if I fall? Like, what if I break my neck? Like, am I like, am I going to make it? Like, if I if I fall, if I jump, am I going to make it? And an entrepreneur says, like, he takes 10 steps backwards before he leaps off it you know, off the cliff, you know, and, and without thinking, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that whole, you know, if you're going to offer up some walls, you know, and say like, Oh, that sucks, you know, then offer a solution, be that guy, you know, always have a solution to something, man. Don't be the guy that fucking says this sucks. I'm not into it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't fucking know. You know, it's like, all right, buddy. Like, you're you're a fucking you're a douche. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, those those kinds of people like have to fucking go. And I think if you can see from a mile away who who should stay and who should be, you know, who should be there. There's always got to be a writer. There's always got to be a a drummer that sees the same vision as your writer. Um, you know, you've got to have a conductor in the band, like another guy that can like look at everybody's signals and say like, Hey, you know, this is the change. Like if you missed it, you know, I'm that guy, you know, like there's always a guy, you know, there's always a dude that will always, you know, if everybody's so into their own heads and just relying on loyalty and professionalism, that's where mistakes happen, you know, cause somebody slips up. But if you can like always just keep looking at people's eyes and just making sure that you're all having fun, cause there's never been a, a tour or a video or an album or anything of positive nature being in a band where I haven't lost a member shortly after. I always go through uh, some sort of transfer. I've al- we've always gone through some sort of transfer, some, some change up, you know, right after something monumental happens, you know what I mean, within our timeline, you know. It just somehow, somehow it always happens. I don't know if that's for everybody, but... It always happens for you us. You think that's like kind of like a like it? People kind of see that it's 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 you're getting somewhere, and they get almost the jitters going into it, or or yeah, they or wake you're up, almost kind of like cutting they the ask fat. themselves, is this something I can do forever? You know, and uh, and they get they put the cart before the horse. Like I never thought that way. I never was like, oh, this is all I have to do, or this is all I can do, or or uh, or I'll give myself till I'm 25, and if I don't make it, nothing like that. You know, it was just I always said like, oh, I'm going to try and put out an album every two years. And uh, I'm going to try and get like a label to put it out so that it can get out somewhere else than, you know, my friends and, you know, people will buy it off me at shows like, you know, stuff like that. Just I always had mini goals, you know, like small miniature goals and uh, trying to keep up with those that that I think shot me in the ass, like on the long term, because I see, you know, other friends who have done like very, very well you know, very well for themselves. And I don't think that they were lucky, but I think that they were, you know, timing met opportunity and they were very prepared for, you know, an opportunity that they got or that they seized, you know, whereas I was, I was always, uh, you know, in, in a situation where I was chasing, just trying to get into like labels and releasing albums and not having to, to pay so much out of pocket, you know, for, to put music out. Whereas I think everybody, or other people were always looking to just make it huge. And, uh, you know, so they get into like, a, you know, a scenario where they win this battle of the bands, let's say, you know what I mean? And everything just starts happening. Right? Like we've all heard those stories. Yeah. Right. And everything changed, yeah. you know, which yeah. is like great because when you're ready and you're, you know, and you were there and you didn't, you know, want to do, like you said no to the deals and you said no to this and, you know, you decided to go for that. Like, that's awesome, man. Like I never shot for the stars. So, I just, uh, I don't know, that's like, that's where I say I misfired. I should have. It's tough, though, too, like, when you, like, it's hard when you watch other people do stuff, and you're like, oh, well, we should, let's try to do what they do, what they did, and then, like, that might not work for you. you yeah, know? yeah, That's yeah, always yeah, something exactly. I've always exactly. wandered with, you know? Especially, like, I went through, uh, like, I went through the uh, music industry arts program at Fanshawe. Same. Which is where I met lots of people. Oh, you did it, too? 
Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I graduated in, in uh, 09. Oh, oh my God. Shit. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so obviously, like, I met lots of great people through that. And, and my year, especially, was like very performer heavy. There was a ton of bands and artists. And even just in that, while well, we're like growing and learning, and it was like the first real band I was in, you see people do stuff. And you're like, okay, well, they're they're doing pretty well, and you maybe try that, and it didn't work. Or you, alternatively, you watch people do stuff, and you're like, all right, well, I know for sure I don't want to do that, or I don't want those opportunities. Or and it's hard too, like we're like a, a rock band, and then you're watching like the indie rock guys or the singer songwriters do stuff, and you're like, fuck, like we can't we can't get these same opportunities because like nobody wants to hear our fucking loud ass guitars and whatever, <laughs> like whatever the situation is or whatever. The right? Dallas but, Green guys over there in pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All these looping artists are getting all these opportunities. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But yeah, it's just a it's a learning uh, pro. It's funny how much that sh- that shit will show you uh, just about yourself. Like I've learned a lot just about myself outside of music and being in a band, kind of being like the leader of a band. Yeah. Of like there was a there was a moment with my band where their guys were like, "Well, this is like your thing," and I'm like, "But what? Like you guys are all writing. Like what do you mean? It's not my thing. It's our mm. thing." And that was a big thing to overcome too. Of like, well, wait a second. I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I, I always I always thought that too. Like. I always try to, um, you know, do the like, like try to invite, you know, more and more uh, input from everybody else. And, and, and a lot of time that that happens, you know, um, but it's you're, you'd be surprised at uh, how how it how quickly or like how how it doesn't happen uh, until you like you ask for it, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, a lot of time, you know, it's just learning how to work with people you know, it really is. It's, it's all about learning how to work with people, you know, figuring out how to pull the best out of everybody, you know, and, and understanding that like, okay, you know, taking the, uh, taking the role of like the guy, like that's going to bring that out of you. If, if clearly nobody else is, and clearly you have something in you that like is just waiting to come out, but like you still haven't, you, you know what I mean? Like someone's got to say something. Yeah. There's, there's like a fine line, but a, a huge difference between leadership and ownership in a group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Where like someone is like the driving force, but it's like, Hey, like without, without the other four guys in this group, like this is nothing. You That's know? It. Like it's, this isn't going to, the ship isn't going to fucking sail unless, you know, we got everybody here. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's so it like there's only there's only a few ways that you can groove that pocket with other people that like, you know, it, it's, you know, one one guy that like you've been with the longest, you know, would probably know exactly what you what you need, you know, yeah. whereas, you know, the other guys, it's I don't know, it, it, it's there's so many different ways to do things. So. It's crazy these days because if you don't want to if you don't want to play with everybody you don't need to anymore yeah yeah that's, really that's true. solo projects i'm just gonna loop some some spacey shit in my bedroom <laughs> yeah. now well it's so easy uh to, i said this in a, a past podcast it doesn't matter but i remember like my uncle is the reason that i ever got into music and i remember when i first got a macbook and it had garage band on it and i was like fucking around in that and i went over to his place and i was like dude i gotta show you this thing and I was showing him these demos I made in GarageBand. And, like, he he used to be in bands. It's not, like, a thing he does anymore. Like, he still plays, but he hasn't been in a band forever. And I showed him GarageBand, and he was like, dude, what the fuck is this? And he was he was looking at it, and he, like, took my computer, and he's like, this is a game changer. Because <laughs> he's like, I had a four-track in the fucking, like, 80s or whatever. And he's like, he's like, this is nuts. Like, the shit that you could do it. Like, I think he was, like, almost, like... Fuck, I wish I was like 16 yeah, now. I could, I could have been huge. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's funny. Like, the and even the people, like, friends that like we have or whatever, like, the stuff that they do on their own and like, and what's available to all of us now, it's, it's such, it's so different. I'm sure, like, in your life, you've probably gone through all of the, like, the seen all those changes and shit. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. 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 I was just looking for uh, a four track on Kijiji the other day, like 200 bucks. Nice. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. really? Yeah. That's not. It's too much. It's like we were selling an eight track for like eighty bucks a couple of years ago. I remember buying them for like two forty, three forty. But like, no, it's it, all like I think uh, it all started too, even just with like uh, having multiple stereos next to each other and putting in multiple tapes in each one, and I would record my riffs on one, 
and then I'd put that second uh, I'd put a new tape into the second stereo and I'd record that with like the riff that I recorded on the first stereo playing and I would play the solo on top of it and then it would record on the second tape you know and I just keep doing that you know until I realize like oh you know you can buy four tracks right like oh okay (laughs) basically doing the whole thing but just you know these massive shit boxes you know in front of me yeah (laughs) that's like the one thing where i'm like ah damn like i don't get that cool story in like in like 20 years where like like what you just said where you're like oh when i was a kid like this is how like my my version of that is like i realized that i could take my rock band microphone and plug that into my computer (laughs) and i could download audacity for free and i did the same thing but like that's fine, but it's not as cool of being like I had multiple stereos and fucking was like yeah. ripping tapes. It's, it's not as cool to say that. But I'll tell you, like it was, it was still like what a thrill. Like when you could, when my buddy came over and he's like, "Hey, you can download this this free multi-track program on your computer and check it out." And like we, like we started recording nonstop every day, all night. You know, it didn't matter. You know, weekends he'd be crashing over. Like it's just. It's hilarious, you know, just it was so much fun. But that I think, too, like in the same vein, though, it is the same uh, comes from the same place. So like I said, like as soon as I found out I could do, use my rock band microphone for that, like you couldn't stop me. I was recording everything, you know, and I was doing I was like, OK, cool. I'll put my my amp in the closet and like but it's the, it's that same thing of like you. I found any way to record anything. And it is the same vibe of like I hooked up these these cassette players or whatever like even though it might have been easier it's still that same spirit when all of a sudden you realize like oh man i can record what i'm playing on my computer now it's like i'm an actual fucking i'm john lennon or whatever yeah straight up rick rubin that shit yeah it's the same kind of thing where you're like this is so it's so magical when you figure out that you can do that man i wouldn't i wonder what those recordings sound like now if i if they're somewhere <laughs> I, did, uh, I, I did like a whole ass single with a rock band mic like one rock band mic yeah dude i mean it works like, yeah. if you got a rock band mic out there you can do it yeah dude you can make it happen. work with what you got yeah <laughs> um we should uh you, you mentioned that uh you you wrote a book which is i mean just to say that you wrote a book is nuts it doesn't even matter what it's about but let's <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the book you said it was just like about the music industry uh or whatever but yeah like i guess elab- elaborate on that. yeah so um it's more or less um mistakes i've made you know like mistakes i've recognized looking back on things and just understanding that it's more of a an homage to like a self like a love letter to self-help books all across the board that's disguised as a music industry book. So basically it's, you know, it's explaining to people like to not forget, you know, that there was a time in your life where you dreamed of everything you want that you now have, you know, if you just stop and look at things and remember those dreams back then when you were just a kid, whatever, it's like, I understand that there's other stuff with those dreams when you're a kid, but like as you get older, you know, like the things that you're thinking of and like hoping that you at least have in your life, you have, you have now, you know, and it's still not enough, you know, and all this crap, you know, so it's like understanding that like success comes in different ways, you know, and just understanding that like, you know, you could have done everything you wanted to do in, you know, with, with music and then look back on it and still have so many regrets. You know, one of the biggest regrets in my life would have been, you know, never starting a family and stuff, which I have, you know, so it's, it's amazing, you know, like those, those things, it's like, I know where, cause I see my friends, I see, I see friends of mine, you know, I know, I know where, I know where it is, where it is. And like, for me, it was, I suppose, looking back on things, I never wanted that. I wanted this, you know, what I have, you know, far more. And the book is like far more about just being in a band, learning how to do it as a business, understanding that there's like maybe like tips or tricks, you know, that you can pick up here and there that kind of help you sell more, you know, here and there. And then, and then here's what a contract standard contract looks like for publishing. And like when you're licensing out a deal to like television, like, there's there's little aspects of it i i I always uh often tell people like this would be like the book for every band to have in their van 
you know, just for like passing it around while they're driving, you know, not the driver, but like everybody else, you know, just for fun, you know what I mean? Always having it in there with them because it's like, uh, it's a way, you know, there's, there's, there's ideas there, even just how you can, you know, save money for the night. Like when you're in a parking lot, you know, and just, just different things, you know, there's lots of uh, scenarios in there. It's kind of neat. <laughs> I also feel like, I mean, there's, there's in today's age, there's content for everything, but part of the reason, all even for me wanted to start this podcast was like, sounded similar. I obviously don't have the near the experience, but I was like, when I was first trying to book shows and stuff i was like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and there's like not enough info out there and then so when i started kind of doing the podcast more seriously i was like i want to make sure i'm having people on here and i want to have like discussions that when somebody like me a few years ago can go to a place and have a place to go to that like gets people like yourself on here and we're talking about like how the fuck you do how do you be in a band like it's not something and it's something that you you f- I mean, regardless of any info you're going to get, you're going to fail and you're going to and you'll figure it out along the way. But I feel like there's not enough practical information out there of just like, hey, this is what happened to us. And you can take pieces of that. Uh, and I'm excited. I definitely is there. Where's when's the book coming out? You said that you're getting uh, you had like a publisher working on it with you. Yeah. Yeah. So a company out of Niagara Falls called Gray Borders. Um, so it, it's, you know, with with covid and stuff every a lot of stuff got backlogged you know and uh backdated and just you know put on the shelf and i can't imagine you know the labels that probably couldn't afford to you know say put out a record that maybe should have been put out or you know if there is some kind of hidden gem out there like that i don't know yeah. if we're living in those times yet i i have no idea or we've we've passed them probably and uh but the the uh the what was the with the with the with the thing? What did you ask? <laughs> uh, what's 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 the title of your book, and when you when you think we'd be able to to pick up a copy? Oh yes. Okay. So thanks. So the book is like uh, it's still I've battled with some titles, but the one that keeps falling into place is uh, mistakes I've made, and uh, it's just nice, and short, and sweet, and you know it. With with the with the publishing company, you know, we all we all were put on hold for a while. So it was supposed to be out. Um, I guess it would have put us at April next month, but it's not. It's going to be. I can expect it probably uh, winter or maybe fall. Fall more like it. I don't have a. I don't have an exact date. I've just been. Uh, I've had the. I've had the book professionally edited. And we've gone back and forth with it three or four times now. And I've submitted the manuscript prior. And yeah, it's, I'm excited, but it's also, it's so, it's so daunting. Like you put so much work into it that it's, you know, at this point now I'm breathing. I'm like, okay, I've like forgotten it. You know, like I've, I've tried to like yeah, get yeah, it out yeah. of my head now. You know, it's like, it's so, um, when I think about it, it raises my blood pressure and, and things like that. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's not out well, yet, it's, right? you know, and it's just like, ah, oh, like, yeah. like you, like you were just saying, like they never really put out a guideline on how to even be in a fucking band. Yeah. And, then, and then you're conquering, trying to write a book. It's yeah. like, fuck, yeah. you know, here's another thing that I've got absolutely no fucking, no guideline for. Yeah. And I think it's funny. Cause it's like, you know, there's stuff that comes up that, uh, probably a lot of bands have encountered and there's stuff that comes up that, uh, a lot of bands have avoided, you know? So it's it's a lot of uh it's a lot of that. It's it's very subjective, I guess. It's an easy one to write because it's, you know, it it, it sort of wrote itself. I'd have to say Al, you're you're a bit of a renaissance man. It seems like you, you know, you're 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 always working on a new music project. You're writing books, you're making docu-series, you know, it's 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 it, do you feel like you there's almost like not enough hours in the day sometimes? Yeah, I started waking up at 5 in the morning uh about 3 3 and a half years ago. And I ended up losing 115 pounds because I found like, you know, a whole new like uh, lifestyle and just everything just started to fall into place. I was uh, very much learning the science about it, but um, just trying to keep up with uh, with some goals, you know, trying to catch up to some of the things that I think I missed out on. Um, you know, when you're when you're just busy chasing dreams, you know, and like never actually. You know, it's like now is the time where I can kind of catch up with it and just make a realistic, proper approach. You know, it's like, oh, 
It's like, oh, if you had like this kind of transferable skill for this industry or this business, you know, maybe somehow I could redirect my focus and I could be like a lot further along in that department than than this department, you know, with 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 just how, you know, how much how many different things I like. But, you know, trying to have as many things on the go uh, that I can handle. And I'm just hoping that they get, you know, just kind of enjoyed, you know, for the most part. But uh, other than that, it's yeah, it's a it's a grind. I won't deny that. For sure, man. That's not I have to ask and not to not to try to cheapen it in any way. But you said you, you lost a bunch of weight. What is that's which is something that I've like always kind of struggled with. What are like what are some of like the main uh, kind of things that you did that, that you found helped with that? Obviously, I know it's a lifestyle change, which, which seems like every six months is something I try to reset and, and, and do. And it's obviously a struggle. But yeah, I don't know. I'd love to know what you did to maybe kind of get yourself going in the right way. Well, two things. Two things is um, definitely keeping carbs as low as possible. So like read everything that you got that you're eating, like read all the labels, make sure that you try to go for 50 grams or less. If you can do some days 20 grams, then the payoff is going to be like amazing. Um, that doesn't mean to like replace as many meals as possible, you know, or anything like that. Cause like you're hungry. It's like, you know, just keeping carbs low does not mean that you're going to go starving, you know, just eat, eat more eggs and bacon, you know, eat more meat, you know, enjoy, enjoy that stuff, but don't eat, you know, you can't eat, um, it's, it's, it's making sure that you have two meals a day, you know, have a, have a, you know, try and skip breakfast. You know, if you need something to eat at breakfast, have a bulletproof coffee, like, you know, cream and butter in your, in your, in your coffee, you know, but it's eliminating sugar is the easiest way of saying it. No grains, no, no sugar, no grains. That's the best way of saying it. Yeah. Try and eat and live with no sugar, no grains for two weeks and you will see this massive, massive change in your body, not just like body, but mind, like you'll think clearer. You know, it's amazing. You'll never have felt better. You know, ailments that you might have had have gone away. Yeah. You know, have gone away. That's like the big thing I find, too, is like I, I'm always I was I noticed something. I think even last year I found that I would make these like grandiose statements to myself. And what I've been trying to do now is like set much smaller goals of like kind of what you just said of like go do it for two weeks. I've been trying to do that. Of like, hey, let's just fucking get through this week <laughs> and see how that goes. And then we'll like we'll we'll take it like week by week as opposed to like I'm changing my lifestyle tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like it's you're just at, you're going to fail. Like there's no way that that's going to happen. Well, I mean, like the, the graduating step from keeping carbs down to 20 grams or less or 50 grams or less once you get the hang of that and you start seeing the results from that, um, the next step is like doing like intermittent fasting, you know, that really, that's a real tool for weight management. It really is. People use it for weight loss at first. You lose a lot of weight with it because it regulates you to where your body weight set point wants to be at, you know? So it's like, it helps you get back to a hormonal level where your body feels like it's working properly again. You know, so it gets to a certain point and then you still can't lose weight. And you're like, well, I've been intermittent fasting for two weeks and nothing really happened. You know, it's like, well, you know, you're because you're back at that weight that you need to be at, you know, or like you're back at a more reasonable weight where, you know, your body wants you to be because it's all an insulin thing. You know, it's all has to do with insulin, insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity. You know, which one do you have? You know, if you're thin, you're probably insulin sensitive. You know, if you're bigger you know, huskier, it's more of insulin resistance problem, you know, where it's like no longer are you able to eat carbohydrates and um, stomach them without showing, right. you know, like you're still gaining weight and you don't know why, Yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So it gets bad, right? Like it gets bad when you fucking get into that period where months and months and months, nonstop boozing, nonstop this, nonstop that. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always find it's funny how if you just like, I try not to like drink through the week at all. And like, it's funny how just like, how immediately like you stop feeling bloated, like right away. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh, if I just don't drink like Monday to Friday, I actually feel way better. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's somehow the weekend has become like a marketing trigger for us. You know, it's like everyone's working for the weekend, baby. You know? It's like, oh yeah, I can't wait till Friday comes. 
You know, that whole mentality. It's just like by Wednesday, I'm telling myself I'm going to eat clean this weekend by fucking Friday night. I'm like, you know, in the fridge, guzzling beers. I'm, I'm like that uh, guy from beer fest when he's got his like face in the freezer or face in the fridge. Yeah. (laughs) You get that or that buddy that comes over who just doesn't give a shit. (laughs) You're like, yeah, I guess I'm not, uh, I guess I don't care. You get get me the asshole. (laughs) It's six, two and 150 pounds. It's like, I ate five fucking cheeseburgers for breakfast. Yeah. I was going to say, I was, I was laughing as you're explaining this because I'm like, okay, this is all good. I'm going to look into this. And I'm just like, Craig's sitting beside me. Like, I'm like, I need to gain weight, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Dude. And the, well, the other thing too, man, is like my girlfriend is tiny and she, and she's also Italian, which is not fair for somebody like me because she's small and she can eat whatever she wants. So much pasta. Which doesn't help. And then I'll go to her family's place and they'll just fill me, like fill me full of food. And I'm like, this is not fair because all this <laughs> pasta is just going to go to my titties and, and, and Julia's not going to have any of it. Like it's, it's not going to go to her at all. And it's not fair. It's just not fair. <laughs> oh god oh oh, man well anyway i gotta uh, i gotta ask you this is probably the most important question i'm gonna ask you this whole time is uh where did you get those ultimate warrior tights that you were wearing in the documentary and where can i get some yeah i got it at the wwe shop online online i looked up oh right well just online um that's fucking easy yeah yeah no exactly it was uh it just happened to be man it just happened to be it was like it was like uh Saw them and it was whoa dream. We <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. It was like the best. I made four clicks just now and we just got two pairs for the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything we didn't touch on, man, that you wanted to talk about? No, I think we hit it all. This was hella fun, man. It was. Thanks so much. Thanks for reaching out. Al, by the way, anytime you want to do this. Oh, I'd love you don't to. Have to be promoting anything. Anytime. Hello.